Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message from our special guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. Go to John 15, if you would. And um, we are going to talk about, out of Jesus becoming your Lord, we're going to talk about the, the only thing that really matters at the end of the day is the fruit that you produce. So it doesn't matter what you say about yourself. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. It doesn't matter if the whole world loves you and praises you. It doesn't matter what church that you claim to be a part of. Uh, Whatever you say or do, the only thing that really counts when it's all over is fruit. So fruit then becomes the only reliable judge of the kind of Christian you are. If your fruit is bad, then your root system is bad. So we're going to talk about the, some of this, and then, and then I'm going to give you the, the keys to, to have a very fruitful year in 2024. Why don't we claim that it'll be the most fruitful year that we have ever had in our entire lives? In like every area of our life, like every area of our life, because um, like it says here in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and bear fruit and that your fruit would be eternal. Praise God. If you turn to Matthew 7, 15 through 20, here's what you read. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. So the test then of your walk with God and of you saying that you know God, and of you saying that you love God, is fruit. Fruit is the judge, and it's the only reliable judge. So if you have bad fruit, which means your fruit is sour, your fruit is fruit from the flesh, that means that you portray negativity, you portray a lack of love, You portray a lack of joy. You do not have peace. You do not have goodness in you. You are not somebody uh, perhaps that anyone could come to and say, I know that if I go to them, I'm going to get a lot of love. I'm going to get a lot of affection. I'm going to get a lot of goodness. Uh, Gentleness is a beautiful fruit of the spirit. And Uh, meekness, humility, self-control. These are fruits. And and then there are many other kind of fruits, which we're going to cover quickly, that you should expect to have in 2024. So I'm going to give you the keys, and those keys work, because the Bible says they work, and they will produce a fruitful year. So let's all say it out loud. 2024 
is going to be the most fruitful year that I've ever had in my whole life. Praise God. So bad fruit then is any fruit that is born of your flesh and flesh is more easily defined things that are born out of your pride and out of your ego. So if you're birthing things and the root of that birthing, the root of that fruit is pride or the root of that fruit is ego, then you're going to be a little bit hard to approach. You're going to have certain resentments. You're going to have certain offenses. You're going to be possibly very easily offended. And someone that people have to walk on eggshells for because perhaps you have a, a short temper. And, and try to remember that anger is the great destroyer of all things spiritual. Anger will destroy your home, your marriage, your children, your walk with God, your relationship with God. It is one of the most evil things you can give into and allow to remain alive in your life. It comes from a curse that was on your parents and grandparents and so on. And at some point, you have to put your foot down and you have to say, the bad fruit stops at the door. The alcoholism stops here at the door. My children will not be alcoholics. At some point, you got to say that. My children are not going to be easily offended and given to anger and bad attitudes. My children are not going to hold grudges and dislike people for long periods of time. Trust me that if you're able to hold a grudge for a long time and treat someone badly for a long time, you have put yourself under a curse and a family demonic curse that has possibly been there for generations. So we tonight want to be curse breakers. Praise the Lord. We want to speak death to the trees born of the flesh. Enmity, malice, unforgiveness, insensitivity, stubbornness, hard-heartedness, selfishness, jealousy, envy, indifference, callousness, isolation, separation, rejection, lust, perversions, adulteries, and so on and so forth. It just goes on and on. The thing to realize, everyone, is that you are always bearing fruit. There is never a time you are not bearing fruit. Like there's no position of non-fruit bearing. You're either bearing good fruit or you're bearing bad fruit. But you're bearing fruit because you're alive. And you have to make thousands of decisions a week. Every decision produces some sort of fruit. So you have bad fruit, and then you have good fruit. And as it says here, beware of these false prophets. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Praise God. So say it out loud with me. The only thing that matters is fruit. That's what matters. You are a tree. Everyone that comes by you has to eat of your fruit. You are the billboard for the place you are dwelling by the fruit you are manifesting. You are the billboard. If you're mean and gossiping all the time and finding fault with people all the time, you can know that you are connected to some sort of satanic discipling system where you are being discipled by your flesh or by demonic forces rather than by God and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now that's called a hard truth, but it will help you to believe it. Praise God. Go ahead and look at somebody and say, mm, I need some good fruit. So we see in the Bible many different people uh, Judas, bad fruit. We see lots of people with good fruit, like Joseph and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Esther, and Ruth. We see a lot of people that had bad, good fruit in their lives and then people that had bad fruit in their lives. So you have to put yourself under the microscope for the sake of your future and the sake of your children. Because if you do not stop that fruit at the door, it will just keep growing like vines do, and it'll creep right into your children, and then your children will be a double portion reflection of how you act when no one is watching. And that is not what you want. So this is not about being guilty. It's not about feeling bad. Conviction is not a sin. It's not evil. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, of judgment. Praise the Lord. So when you are a child of God, one of the things you have to learn early, and if you haven't learned it, then you're missing out on a lot of blessings, is that godly people love correction. Proverbs 12, 1 says it like this, a proud man or a man that refuses to be corrected is stupid. Because you're not just, you're not born perfect. You may have, may have been raised in an abusive manner, so it's hard for you to receive correction unless it's said in a very kind and gentle way. But please understand, we live in a crooked, wicked world, and at some point you have to grow up. And say, truth is truth, whether it comes from my enemy or whether it comes from my friend. I have to be able to receive it because it is good for me. That's called maturity. That's called good fruit. And if somebody says anything negative about it and you fly off at the handle, then everybody knows you're not walking with God, that you're connected and listening to your ego. Your ego is mentoring you. It's telling you you're better than these people. Who do they think they are? Why do they think like that? And you have a haughty spirit because humility is not something that comes to people that listen to their ego. 
Humility is a fruit of listening to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit always makes you feel like your job is to bless people, to encourage people, to lift people up, to celebrate people, to set people free, to make people feel valuable and loved and worthy of God's goodness and blessing. That is the job of a born-again, true, genuine, authentic Christian. Fruit. Hallelujah. So go ahead and hug somebody and say, do you have $100? Because I don't know what he's talking about. And I want to leave here with something before this service is over. Because he lost me at hello. So we read that in Psalm 92... Uh, Well, we'll get to that in a second, but let's talk a little bit more about about this. Because um, when you're talking about fruit, the the way that the Bible divides this is in in a very powerful and simple way. And it's like this. Uh, For example, in Joel 2.25, it says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts, the cankerworm, caterpillar and the pommel worm have eaten out of your life. So these are four different kinds of worms and so or, or insects and each one happens to like a different part of the plant. But this is exactly how it is in life. There is one of those that likes to dig through the ground and eat the roots of the plant. That's all it will eat. And there are worms that fruit killers that will get loose in your life that will go after your root system, which is your faith, your prayer life, your relationship with people, which will be your love walk, which will be holiness in your life, which will be convictions. These are roots. These are the root systems, and they will go to eat that out of your life. Another worm only likes to eat the outside of the plant, which identifies what the plant is. And these are the, are the fruit killers that eat your godly identity, the thing that tells you who you truly are in God. Not who you are that your mother said or your dad said or your, or your enemy said or your own heart tells you about yourself. You've got to know sometimes that there are literal worms in you that will cut you down to nothing and that if you believe those voices, you are actually submitting to the ministry of demonic forces. Because in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You are part of the light of the world, the salt of the world. You are water. You are a blessing. You're an encourager. You are a healer. You're a chain breaker. You're a deliverer. You are a living, walking hospital of medicines. You are a cure. You are a trumpet for God. You are one that is, speaks on the behalf of God. You are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You are complete in God. You are full of God and full in God. You are hidden in Christ, with Christ, 
in God and you are unsealed and most important, you are adopted by God and are royalty by adoption. There are no orphans in Christianity. No orphans in Christianity. You can never allow yourself to feel like an orphan. Another root digs through and eats the inside, which is the heart. And there are worms, people, thoughts, ideologies, beliefs, behavior that will eat your heart out. The, the part of you that can love people that don't love you. The part of you that can be nice to people that treat you mean. The part of you that prays for people who persecute you and criticize you and find fault with you. The part of you that feels pain for other people. The part of you that feels compassion, which is the ability to feel someone else's pain. The part of you that loves orphans that have no parents and are being sexually abused and sold by the age of two years old, already being sold. And this is compassion. And the generosity that, that you have inside comes because you have the heart of God inside of you. You pray for people that are not saved in your family. Because you have the heart of God. And you say, I don't want my dad to go to hell. I, I don't want my mom to go to hell. And, and you, you challenge whenever division enters your family or, or disunity or discord. And you, you attack that on your knees in prayer. You, you get down on your knees for your children. And you don't raise them like, like children of the world. You raise them with them hearing the sound of their parents kneeling next to their bed. Praying for them in English and in the Holy Ghost and they're raised under the Holy Ghost and, and they're mentored by the Holy Ghost and they have angels in their room and they sing songs of worship before they go to bed and they learn how to prophesy when they're just little children and how to heal people and deliver people and they're mentored by God and they're not allowed to watch R-rated movies or pornography or watch murder all day long in some kind of game where everybody kills everything and everybody. I mean, they're not trained that way when they're raised by the Holy Spirit. They're only trained that way when they're raised by lazy parents. Look, everyone, it's time to come back to Jesus. That's really what the Holy Spirit is saying all over the world. It's not like you're getting saved again, but you're coming back to a genuine Christianity that has the fruit to show for what you believe. Praise God. So um, we, here is how this is divided. How many of you all know that you're going to die? Okay, so when you die, you don't take anything with you. Right? you're only going to take your fruit with you. That fruit goes before you, and it goes in the form of two things. The Bible explains this. One is called wood, hay, and stubble. These are things you did in the name of God that were not of God, but you blame God for them. These are things you did in the name of God but you did it for your own glory or to get some kind of advantage or to profit in some way from them. 
They were contaminated by your impure motives. They were good things, but done with a wrong motive, and they became dead things. Wood, hay, and stubble. So wood is a solid material you can build with, and so everything that people build that comes from their ego or pride is going to be thrown into the fire when you're a Christian. Hay is something that you grow. It takes time to grow hay, but it burns quickly because it has no substance to it. And that is the same with our lives. You are producing something by the way you're living. For example, if you go home tonight and smoke pot and say, mm, man, that was a great service. Glory to Jesus. My God, I got 17 revelations, but I'm really getting revelations now. from li-. Just understand that what is happening is hay. You're growing it. It's worthless. It's of no value to anyone but animals. That's going to be thrown into the fire. And then stubble, which is less than everything, it's just dirt and everything left over everywhere. It's the leftovers of life. That will be all burned and consumed. And some people, their entire life will be that. They'll make it to heaven, they'll get to heaven, they'll be forgiven, everything, blah, blah, blah. But but there'll be a difference in their life. Then you have gold, silver, and precious stones. Everybody say, that's what I want. So gold is, speaks of the nature of God. So these are the things you do out of the fruit of the Spirit, the nature of God. You did them because you love people. You did them because you care about somebody. You did them because God told you. You did them because you have humility. You did them because you have kindness. You did them because you have goodness. And all that's done in the nature of God is considered gold in heaven, and it goes before you and before God, and it glorifies God. We're not talking about getting saved by these things. We're talking about living a life that honors God. Because we appreciate that he saved us when we could not save ourselves. But faith without works is dead. And so this is very important to understand what I just said. Then you have silver, which in the Bible, silver always talks about judgment or you deciding to judge things that are in your life and say, that is not of God. That is a lie of the devil I'm believing. That is not a truth that lines up with the Bible. No, I cannot, I cannot divorce my wife and marry that man's wife. I cannot say, God told me you're supposed to be my wife. Divorce your husband, I'm divorcing mine in the name of Jesus. You judge things and they're purified by honest people who can honestly say, it's not okay to smoke pot. Jesus and you could not do it together. It's not okay to cheat people in business. It's not okay to charge people ridiculous amounts because all the other crooks are doing it. That's not what a man of God does. A man of God doesn't set his standard by the world. If you're a plumber, you don't go somewhere and say, well, the price going for this is $8,000. When you know the whole thing is 1,500 bucks, maybe. And if you're doing it for a widow, then you're open and saying, this is my business, which is also my ministry. 
And instead of charging her 8,000 bucks, I'm not going to charge her anything because she's a widow. She's barely going to walk. And then you tell the widow, ma'am, I am not going to charge you at all for this work. And as a matter of fact, if you ever need anything about anything, here is my number and I want you to call me. I will never charge you one penny for anything. You need a refrigerator, I will buy you one. You need a stove, I will buy you one. You need to ride somewhere, I will find you one. You need medic, I will take care of you because I am a man of God. My wife is a woman of God and our business has been aimed to the glory of God. Now you understand fruit, ladies and gentlemen. This is a different kind of Christianity and it is the kind you live when you have a Lord, not just a Savior. So you have to be able to say, oh, wow, this pornography, I have to judge this. This is not of God. Jesus and I could not watch this. I cannot invite Jesus into this. And those are the things you did that were hard on your flesh, but they were true to God. Your flesh wanted it, but you said no, because you love God and he is sitting on the throne He's not been, he hasn't abdicated. You kicked him off. You got to put him back on the throne and say, Lord, come back and sit on the throne of my heart. When you're single and the whole world is making out, you cannot make out. Making out is not okay. You can't just make out because everybody makes out. You have to be different because you are not of the world. You don't just go around making out with people. If you're a single man, you don't just date women and then make out with them and touch their bodies everywhere and all that. They are going to be somebody's wife. And you cannot touch a woman when you're a man of God. No man of God would do that because they would know in their heart, these women are sacred and they are God's daughters. And I am not going to put my hands on one until God gives me one. And on the day he gives me one, they better run for their life. But I'm telling you, until that day, I'm not touching them. Oh, see, but the world's not going to tell that to your children. Your lust is not going to tell you that. Ooh, that's a good-looking boy. I better make out with him, but I can't let my parents find out. The fruit of the flesh. It brings demons into your life, and it activates the curses of your family tree. Do you think you're crazy by accident? No, it's your DNA. Look at a couple of people and say, you're DNA. In other words, other crazy people had your DNA before you, and they practiced crazy things and then just gave you that DNA that wants to do crazy stuff. You're not guilty for it, but you got to manage it and take control over it, or it will destroy you just like it destroyed them. Everybody say it out loud, fruit. Say, I want a lot of fruit. How many of you like fruit? Do you have a favorite fruit? It's hard to have a favorite fruit, isn't it? I have a battle going on between watermelon and mangoes. I like mangoes. I like the big kind that are meaty. I go there and I feel like I'm in the spirit. Or a cold watermelon with no seeds in it, and it's just... Man, I don't know. It's just like, this is Jesus. This is of the Lord. Good fruit tastes good to everyone, saved or unsaved. 
It's your job to bear good fruit. And the kind of fruit you want to bear is the kind that was born in God and will last into eternity. Not the kind that will perish and burn up. Praise the Lord. If you're going to cuss, please ask Jesus if he can cuss with you. Because cussing may just be part of the culture you were raised under, and you may be deceived into thinking that unless you cuss, you're not authentic. Because there is like music to cussing. A right cuss word, put it the right place, mm, sounds ding. <laughs> but it's of the flesh, not of the spirit. Jesus didn't go around cussing. Because the Bible says avoid profanity. Because Satan is the cusser. Like there's nobody in heaven saying, what the blankety blank are you doing here? I thought you were going to hell. Your flesh may say, oh, that's just legalism. But honestly, after 52 years of doing this, there's nothing legalistic about wanting to please God with your language. Because language is powerful. You say something bad to one of your children, it may stay with them for the rest of their lives. Look at how it's destroyed you. Equally, if you say nothing to people who need you to say, I love you, it's just as bad as cussing them out. We are human beings, everyone. We are human beings. I need my wife to tell me that I'm amazing. I need to hear it. I need her to say, I love you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I need to hear my children say, I, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have a father. I, I love hearing that. Because these are the, the, this is the language of Jesus. He brought that language to earth. And he changed the heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You don't complain because your heart is full of love. You complain because you don't trust God's plan for your life. And so you have to gripe about everything. Do you feel the love on that? Going over here. Praise God, I'm by myself again. Here in South Dakota. Mm. So, Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, and then precious stones. Precious stones are things that you get from living courageously and bravely before God. Meaning that you take chances to please God. Like the three mighty men of David, when they heard him praying in the tent, and, they, and he said, oh, if someone could get me a cup of water from the wells of Bethlehem. And they were outside and heard him. But the entire city of Bethlehem was surrounded by the Philistines. And they had to risk their lives and break through all those soldiers and get a cup of water and bring it back. And they risked their lives. God, David representing God in that particular scene. God would not ask you to do these things, but he wants someone to do them, but he would never even ask somebody to do it. And so you have to have that kind of heart. This is where the pearls come from. And pearls are things you did for God that he didn't even ask you to do, but they were in his heart for someone to do them, and you volunteered to do it. 
These are the mighty men. These are the mighty women of God. These are not the people that just have a job and then go home and watch TV till they fall asleep and then go to work the next day and fall asleep, never reading the Bible, never praying with their children, never praying with their family. The, the TV literally has become the God and idol of the family, and that's all that's ever done in the house. It's TV watching because that's how Satan wants it. Satan is okay because the greatest gift God has given you is time. And so if Satan can steal your time, he will steal your destiny because your destiny requires a certain amount of time surrendered over to God. If you do not give God that time, you cannot become the man God created nor the woman that God created you to be. So you will live a false life because it is not who God called you or created you to be, and you have allowed non-sinful good things to take your time and eat it out of your life. That's why it's called redeeming the time. Don't feel the love now? So I'm, I'm going to be over here all night long. So, Gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, think about it like this. Those stones are taken and put in your crown. So your crown is supposed to be full of, of jewels, which represent a life lived for God. They're not for your salvation because you, you, you can't, that's not for salvation's sake. It's for gl the glory of God. And so you take your crown full of jewels with everyone else that has their crowns. And at the same time, we cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus and we say, it was all you, God, except for the grace of God. But thank you for the grace you gave me to live my life for you. Thank you, God, for giving me the power. Thank you for living and moving and having your being in my life. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for putting the desire in my heart to serve you and obey you. Thank you, Almighty God, for doing all that you did. To God be the glory, and you cast those crowns before him, and all of heaven, everyone, begins to shout and and worship God because of the saints that cast all those beautiful things before his feet to God's glory. So the time to change your life and the fruit you're bearing is now. Radical things will take place in some of your lives after today. You will stop watching R-rated movies that are full of F-words, full of all types of sexual activity, nudity, uh, all types of raping, all types of abuse of every kind, because you can't sit there with Jesus and watch it. Some of you, you're having a hard time with what I'm saying because you don't know how you would ever be happy without it. But remember, it's only because you're tuned to those sounds. But God will retune you. That's why some people are more comfortable in a bar than they are in a church. Because they're tuned to the music of the world. God has to retune you through prayer and communion. 
He retunes the cells of your body, the atoms of your body. At the center and core of every cell is a sound. This is scientifically proven. Quartz, it's a sound. And that sound has to be tuned by God for all of your cells and being to worship God at one time and to be able to sing thousands and millions of songs to God all at one time as your body worships God and adores him with all your strength and might and soul. How about taking a praise break, everybody? And let's just praise God. I just feel like we ought to praise God right now and shout a little bit. Isn't God good? Shout unto God a little bit. Say, oh my God. Oh my God, Jesus, you're so good. Praise you, Lord. Woo. Glory to God. Praise to the name of the Lord. Come on, everybody. You ought to shout like you've got something to shout about because in heaven, it's not going to be quiet. It's going to be loud. People are going to be shouting and praising and magnifying God. They're going to lift their voices in heaven. There's not going to be a bunch of discouraged people up there. Because remember, all the people that barely made it to heaven are going to be there. The ones that just got in in the last few seconds after serving the devil their whole life. And then at the last minute, they remembered something somebody said. They said, Jesus saved me. And he reached. Now they're in heaven. And there's millions of them. Well, they're not just going to look at each other and say, well, is this a mistake? They're going to start running all over heaven and shouting and praising God. And all the people who thought certain relatives went to hell and end up in heaven, they're all like, they're going to be shouting. And all the people with no legs that now have legs, they can run. All the blind people that can now see, all the deaf people that can now hear, all the people that were in their families and could not tell their children with language, with word, how much they love them. Not, <laughs> woo. And then all the mothers and fathers who lost children in miscarriages and those children are standing there waiting for them, possibly not even grown yet. It's possible that they're just going to wait for you so that you can be there and watch them grow up. There's so many miracles from just all the babies that have died that have gone straight to heaven. 44 million this year. 44 million. Straight to heaven. Praise God. So when I say shout, it is with this weight upon you that you shout unto God. You shout to God because he saved you and you're not going to go to hell. You, you shout to God because he's got an answer to whatever problem you have. You, you shout to God because he saved your wife and your husband and your children and he's saving your grandchildren. So all you can do is lift your hands and say, God, I bless you. I magnify. Oh, God, thank you that I, I'm sitting in this church and I can magnify you, God. I, <laughs> I can lift up your voice. I can shout to God, my Savior and my Lord. You say, well, I'm not used to that. Yes, you are. You do it in football games. You can do it in church. You can shout in church. If you can shout for a football team, you can shout in church. It's not Pentecostal. It's just natural to shout. When your team wins a Super Bowl, you don't sit there and say, oh, they won. 
Yeah, and if your son scores a, a, a touchdown or something, or your daughter, you don't just sit there. And if a referee calls a wrong call, my God, you're out there on the court. So don't say I'm not emotional like that. That's just lies. Of course you are. It just takes the right trigger. Well, the trigger that deserves the most shouting is what God has done for you. What he has done in the past, what he's doing now, and what is yet to be revealed that he's going to do in the days to come. Say it out loud. Good things are coming in 2024. Hallelujah. Ah, <laughs> Amen. Okay. Now let's enter. Let me go quickly over, over some of the fruit that's going to happen this year. Number one is authenticity is going to enter some of your lives. You're going to be genuine. That is a beautiful fruit because people can receive from authentic, genuine people. You're going to, and this is very powerful, have loving graces start coming out of your, out of your life. Loving graces is the ability to love people that no one else can love. You're going to have a divine ability to know God the way you've always known him. This is the spirit and the fruit. You're going to have Christ-likeness in your life. You're going to be a soul winner. That's one of the fruits of genuine Christians. A true Christian that walks with God in fellowship, leads people to Jesus and has a burden that no one in his family, first of all, go to hell or her family and no one they meet goes to hell. They are a living trumpet ready to speak kindly and lovingly and they are always rescuing somebody. That is a genuine Christian believer with the fruit of the Spirit. Not somebody who lives and dies without making any noise whatsoever. That is not you. That is not your life. That is not your calling. And you do not have to live in the prison and jail of being shy or cowardly. Raise your, your hand and say, I will not be a coward. People are depending on you. They're depending on you to talk to them about Jesus. You're the only one that has exposure to them. They're not going to come to church. You have to not be a coward. You have to repent for being a coward. You may not be a coward physically. You may be able to take a gun and, and shoot people and risk your life for other people. You may have that kind of bravery, but there's another kind spiritual bravery, where you're willing to be looked at as a weirdo or mocked in any way or whatever. But let me tell you, I have been doing this for 52 years, and I have never had anyone ever since I learned the secret of compassion. I have never had anybody get mad at me for talking to them in a loving way and saying, I can feel your pain. It's not like, well, I want to tell you the four spiritual laws and here they are. Number one is this. Number two is that. Number three is this. Number four. You want to get saved? It's so detached and disconnected. And it's one of the worst things that you, you could ever teach someone. You have to teach people compassion because any drug addict responds to love. Any atheist responds to true and genuine unadulterated, no agenda, unbiased love. 
The homosexuals respond to that. The transvestites respond to that. Everyone responds to the genuine Jesus in you. But you got to decide, I'm going to live my life and get people out of hell. I don't care if the whole world hates me. And that's something you have to accept, that there will be some demonized people that will hate you. It comes with a territory. But just love them back. Amen? Go ahead and hug someone next to you and say, do you have like $50? (laughs) We have an unseducible heart. We have superpowers. These are all fruits. We have success. We have a healing life. We have divine skills of redemption. We have unreasonable favor. We have divine prosperity. We have godly freedom. We have unity in our families. We have divine momentum for God. We have uh, the ability to be lovable and to be loved and to love the unlovable. We have tangible growth. We have irreversible, unstoppable faith. These are all fruits that are going to show up in your life this coming year. But the first thing you have to do, ladies and gentlemen, is start bringing your Bible to church and start writing down what God tells you. Because if you don't do that, are you really even serious about your walk with God? Honestly, that's a question you have to ask yourself. Or are you a walking Bible and know everything? Because there's so many layers to the Bible. You know, when you first get saved, there's that layer. And then as you grow, the layers start to go. And it's no never ends. Throughout eternity, it will keep going. So it's not like you've discovered it all. If you're bored with the Bible, it's because you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the only reason you would be bored with the Bible. The Bible is locked to you. It is not revealing its secrets and shooting its fire into your soul. Because that Bible is full of fire. And when you read it with the Holy Spirit, your bones burn. Your heart burns. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, look at him and say, I'm going to pay off your house. Go ahead and tell him, I'm going to pay off your house. And then you have the beautiful fruit of a worship life, which is different than a worship service. A worship life, it means when you get in the car tonight and go home, you are worship, you sing to God. When you lay down in your bed tonight, and you and your wife have prayed, you've done whatever Holy Ghost stuff you're going to do, holla, holla, and everything, and, and, and then you lay back and you, you begin to sing softly under your breath to the Lord. And you go to bed like that. And when you wake up, you wake up with the spirit of worship on you. And as you work, do the dishes you're singing. As you're working on your computer, you're praying under your breath. Whatever you do, you have a worship life. You can't have that if you're not in union and intimate fellowship with the Lord, because that is the fruit of having love between you and God exchanged on a daily basis. Praise God. Here are the keys then that will unlock the fruits of the spirit in your life. The number one key was you have to have a Savior and a Lord. That's key number one. Key number two, very powerful, 
is found, of course, in John 15, verses 1 through 12. Abide in me. So abiding in God. How do you bear fruit? You talk to God every day. You talk to God all day long. You keep an ongoing conversation. When your heart is bad, you stop and you say, God, my heart is bad right now. I have bad feelings. You discuss it with him. Say, man, I have anger right now. I'm offended right now. I'm going to need your help right now. I can't get out of this by myself. This is having an ongoing abiding. When the devil tempts you not to tithe, you say, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Here's my tithe, and I'm adding another 5% just to shut you up. Boom, bam. You stay abiding. Stay abiding. When someone offends you, you say, okay, I'm offended. I'm going to need a little bit of time. I got to get out of this because this is not where the Holy Spirit wants me. And this is not a big enough deal to get offended over. You abide. You abide. You don't cut God off. You don't say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this sin. I'm going to commit this sin. In order for me to commit it, I've got to put the mute button on God. Because I can't do this and have God talking to me. So I'm just going to ignore him. While I drink this whiskey or smoke this powder, you know, I don't know if you, what you folks do, but, but all I'm saying is you're, you're out in the country. But anyway, uh, you know, crazy stuff. But anyway, it's the abiding. It's, it's how fruit is manifested. It's the growing of your roots constantly. Three is a very, very important. Um, and that is, in abiding, in, in, I mean, in walking in God and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, you have to meditate on the Word of God. You memorize the Bible, Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth His fruit in His season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatever He does shall prosper. So meditation... What is this? How does this help? And how do you do it? Let me ask you a question. How many of you know how to worry? Let me see. How many of you know how to worry? Then you are already an expert meditator. Worry is meditation in the flesh. So what you do to meditate in the word of God is you, let's say, memorize Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You write that down. Every tongue that rises up against you to accuse you and judge you shall be condemned by God. Then you start worrying in the positive. You start turning it over in your mind and writing down all the positive things that are going to happen because of this Bible verse. Because in worrying, you would write all the negative things. You have a pain, for example, uh, somewhere in your body and you go and the devil tells you it's cancer. Your arm's going to fall off in the middle of the night. Or you hear the rattling of something outside and you wake your husband up in the middle of the night. Someone is trying to break in. They're going to eat the children. Get out there. Because this is what you've been imagining for ever that someone would break into your house and eat everybody. 
and you've been worrying about it for years. You're a meditator. But you turn that into positive and meditate on the word of God, and what starts to happen? Fruit starts coming out. Memorizing the word produces fruit. Meditating on the word produces fruit. That's why you need to bring your Bibles and have a relationship with your Bible every day. Keep it with you. Take a small one to work and lunchtime, read it. Whatever you got to do, be memorizing words. And this is going to produce some fantastic fruit. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. You shall flourish planted in the house of the Lord. In other words, a great place for you to bear fruit is church. Listen about the power of church, because some people don't think church is important. But do you know what the Bible says in Matthew 18, 19? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is it that you need? You need to be in the presence of the power of God in church, because this is us corporately united in our faith driving the devil out of our lives. Church is called the family of God. This is where your real family is. Church is called a city of God. This is the city where the light shines. Church is called an ark. It's where you hide from the storms of life. Church is considered a body, a physical body. And this is where you connect to other joints, not joints, but to other joints and every joint supplies. Because what happens if your arm is disconnected from the blood flow? It atrophies and eventually shrivels up and becomes useless. And that's what happens to Christians who do not have other Christians flowing in and out of their life sharing and fellowshipping because you are a human being created to have friends, fellowship, and family. Praise the Lord. And the church is called an army. This is where you find your Navy SEALs right here. This is where you become a Navy SEAL. This, in this house, in church, this is where you find the brothers and sisters you can go to say, I'm going through a lot right now. I need prayer. And that's where 20 or 30 people will get around you and, and drive the devil off you and, and give you wisdom from the victories that they've had. Wow, oh, I went through that and God gave me the victory. Here's how he did it. Oh my God, for real? Yeah. It's normal to be crazy periodically. It is. Matthew 3:10 Repentance produces fruit. Repentance is how you save your future. You have to be a quick apologizer. You can't just say I'm not apologizing because what you did is worse than what I did. So until you apologize, I'm not apologizing for the little tiny thing I did. That's actually not how it works. A man or woman of God apologizes the moment the Holy Spirit touches their conscience. They don't wait for the other person to apologize. They say, I'm so sorry I did that, and I'm so sorry I said that. Never again will that happen. You don't have to 
cry all over the house and weep and drag yourself over glass and beat your brains out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Shut up. We don't need that. We need you to just repent. Just stop. Just stop. Because change is the only acceptable apology. Praise God. Hug someone and say, change is the only acceptable apology. Exodus 36 or 37, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, is prophetically pronouncing what you want out loud into the atmosphere. You have to declare out loud, we're going to have a fruitful family. Our family is going to be full of love. Our family is going to be full of joy. You walk all over the house saying that. You train your children to say, your husband, your wife, you all together, you prophesy to the walls of your house. Our house will be full of joy. We break the curse of depression over this house. We cur break the curse of bad dreams. We, we drive out every demon in the name of Jesus. We come into this house and we bless it that anybody that walks in here will feel the presence of God and the glory of God. This is what you do. You speak over yourself. I'm not going to be shy. I'm not going to be bound up. I'm not going to die early. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be full of power and joy. This is the, the language of heaven. You, you have to match that language because it empowers you on the inside and it makes you feel safe. And this is what you want to do. You want your children to hear God's voice more than Satan's voice because all they're hearing is Satan's voice. At school, on the TV and on their devices. They have got to have the voice of God in their ears or they're going to follow the world and be discipled by the world because they have had more mentoring from the world than from you. Hallelujah. Look at someone and say, I believe in you that you're able to pay my car off tomorrow. We have obedience, unconditional obedience. This produces fruit, unconditional. Deuteronomy 28, you can read the whole thing. Unconditional. If God says don't lie, that's it. If God says don't throw the finger at people, that's it. That's it. Whatever God tells you, that's it. You have a that's it mentality. God may say to one of you, uh, Susie, uh, you can eat chocolate all you want. And say to, to someone else, uh, Mary, don't ever eat chocolate again. And Mary may freak out. How could that be? Well, Susie eats one piece. You eat five pounds. There is a difference. <laughs> the, the iniquity connection is different. So don't try to apply other people's walk with God to your walk with God. Simply, you are special and unique, and there's no one like you. You have your own form of insanity, and that insanity must be cured by the voice of God and the instructions of the Holy Spirit that he will give you. Then you have root healing, and this is when you go at your root system and you begin to rebuild it. 
Prayer, you begin to rebuild it. Faith, you begin to rebuild it. Love, you begin to rebuild it. Holiness, you begin to rebuild it. Convictions, you begin to be rebuild it. Being persuaded, driving doubt, unbelief out of your life, you begin to rebuild. Relationships, you begin to, these are all roots. And they are the things that keep you healthy and strong. And they bear fruit. 2024, everybody say it out loud. So much fruit. Because Jesus is going to be my Savior. And Jesus is going to be my Lord. Come on, everybody. Shout a little bit and say hallelujah. Thank you, almighty God. There's nobody like you. Acts 9, 3 through 6. Truth cleanses. Cleanses. You know how you have liver cleanses? Colon cleanses? This is truth cleanses. This is when you literally go to God and say, I need to have a truth cleanse. God, I need to tell myself the truth. And you just tell God the truth. You say, God, I kind of love this particular sin. I love it. Is there any way you would make this legal? <laughs> We're doing a truth cleanse. Because what's the source of most Christians' unhappiness? Is they don't get to do what they want to do. Every day they have to say no to the things they want to say yes to. So unless God makes you holy, which is to take the desire out, you're going to have a struggle your whole life. And you need to tell God the truth. Here's where I'm at. This is what I feel. And I need help. Hallelujah. You have to tell God, I sure would like some Bud Light, Lord. My God, can I just have a six-pack? I mean, I'm not going to get drunk or anything, you know. Oh, man, come on. And a reefer here and there, surely it won't mess up your plans. You have to tell God the truth. Let the garbage come out so that he can fill you up with the glory. I have never had conversations with God where it's all positive and I just tell God what I think he wants to hear. That's not my relationship with him. I got delivered from things by telling him that I like this and that I need him to change me because this is sinful and dark. And if you're religious, you can't handle what I'm saying, but you actually do it because you're also a hypocrite. Because that's what the world is full of in church. And that's not Christianity. Genuine relationships with God where you tell God the truth and you say, I know this is not where you're going to leave me, but I'm not going to get off my knees until you deliver me. I have hated so many people in the 52 years that I've been a Christian for seconds at a time. Every time they bring a child to the orphanage and they need surgery because they're only two or three or four or five or six and terrible things have been done and they're covered in blood. I'm telling you, I have felt murder. I have tasted it in my mouth. If, if the person that did that was there, I'm not sure that I would not have killed the person. Honestly. But one day God told me, you know, hate is how you make Satan your pastor. So I need you to get over that stuff quickly for the sake of the children. Because they will pick up on your hate just like they pick up on your love. 
Go ahead and hug somebody and say, I don't know, I kind of like hating people. Praise God. Go ahead. So, truth cleanses. I'm going to just end with the last thing. There's many others, but I'm just going to end with this one so that I can minister to you. And that is fasting. Uh, fasting is going to produce fruit like nothing else in your life. Prayer and fasting combined. That's going to produce a lot of fruit. So let me explain fasting to you because some of you may be deceived. How do you know you're fasting? There are just two simple ways to know. Number one, you're miserable. <laughs> Write that down. Can everybody say it? Miserable. There's no joyful fasting. Number two way to know you're fasting is you lose weight. If you fast and do not lose weight, you did not fast. You can call it the Daniel diet, but after you add potatoes and beans and corn chips and, and sour cream and, and you, it's, it's two or three pounds plus a, a three or four thousand calorie smoothie. This is not the Daniel fast. You gain weight. This is not fasting. When you're fasting, your body is going crazy. You're getting sugar headaches. You're getting caffeine headaches. You're getting back pain, shoulder pain, leg pain. Depends on how old you are. The older you are, the more stuff that freaks out. And you're like... But nobody does a true fast. And praise the Lord. I'm having a great day. How long have you been fasting? Seven days. How much weight you lost? I don't know. I haven't weighed myself. You seem to have a lot of energy and a lot of strength. How, what kind of fat? I'm doing a Daniel fat. Well, what's that? Are you doing like baked potatoes? Yeah, I'm having a big, nice baked potato. You know, I said, are you suffering for the Lord? You're putting beans on top? Yeah, bean chili, you know. <laughs> right. So that's not fasting. Don't call it fasting and dishonor God. Fasting, fasting is eating leaves. It is not satisfying meals. You cannot have satisfying meals and call it fasting. Misery, lose weight. This kind of fast works because what fasting is, is forcing your body to pray. That's what you're doing. And real fasting has to be joined with prayer and brokenness. You can't fast and then walk around like you're superior to all the non-fasters. You can't say, hey, praise God, yeah, I fast a lot. I'm walking with Jesus. How about you, you sinner? That's not how, that's not a good fruit. You don't put people down. You simply say, can I, can I, uh, well, this is what I've experienced. I don't know. I mean, this is my experience. So, you know, I couldn't, you know. It's really interesting, but I fasted for like 21 days and then blind eyes started opening. I don't know what to say. I did the same thing. I just prayed for them. I started opening up because miracles come into your life, fruit from fasting and prayer. You know, you can change your finances by just fasting and prayer. Some of you will change your finances because of how smart you are. You won't even need God for that. The only problem with it is if your money didn't come from God, it's unprotected. What does that mean? It means not only can you lose it, 
but it will curse you because you're not doing with it what God told you. God is looking for brokers that will do with his money what he tells them to do. Now, you make all the money you want, but you want that money blessed by tithing from it. You want to tithe on that money, and then your money's blessed. Do whatever you want. Buy how many houses you want, cars you want, can't, whatever you want. You earn the money. But if God gives you something, that's a different kind of thing. Like, I don't, I don't get money from just normal sources. Whatever I get comes from God. So I'm very limited by God and by the nature of generosity where I'm going to put that money. My goal is not to be rich down here on earth. My goal is to enrich people down here on earth. Even though millions of dollars go through my hands every year, I don't have millions of dollars because I don't want to go to hell. I believe in prosperity probably more than you do. But I believe in divine prosperity where God gives you millions of dollars to take care of orphans and widows and the poor and bless people and all that. I got a nice enough house, nice enough cars, nice enough everything. I don't put anybody down for having businesses and that. Do whatever you want. You earn the money. It's your business. Praise God. God has blessed it. You're tithing. Hallelujah. Praise God. I need people like you because that's how I do everything I do. Somebody walks up to me and says, you're going to build a hospital for kids? I, I believe the Lord told me to pay for it. How much is that? 750000 Okay, here it is. That's exactly what happened. Here it is. Are you going to build that children's home? Here it is. Are you going to build a, you know, a school? $2 million, $3 million? Okay, here, here it is. Because you give to God what belongs to God. Fruit is everywhere. Turn to seven people and say, I'm getting out of debt. Say, all the curses over my family are going to be broken. I'm not going to die sick and diseased. Say it out loud. I'm going to live in the graces and blessings of Almighty God. Put on the music. I'm going to live in the blessings and graces of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.